Probably science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm joined by Matt Kirshen. Hey, Andy. Happy belated birthday. Thank you, man. I forgot that everyone involved in this podcast has birthdays within a month of each other. That's true. Yours yeah. is coming up. Mm-hmm. Jesse just had his. Yep. Big 3-0 for Jesse. Everyone should listen to, to uh, Jesse versus Cancer if you don't already. JesseVSCancer.com. Uh, and yeah, you, and yours is, what, in a couple of weeks? May 17th. Yep. Look at you. <laughs> Look at me. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you all having a birthday, having a birthday yeah. finally, all grown up. Uh, we had a good time for yours yesterday. Did our first real full-on uh, escape room. Yeah, we did an escape room. We escaped. We, d- we made it out almost in record time. Apparently. And we, I thought we were doing pretty badly, but then we got out and then the guy's like, oh, you're 41 seconds off of... If we'd known, we wouldn't have dilly-dallied. We'd we, so much dillying and dallying inside. We were. We were enjoying ourselves. Hey, we've got a guest. We should yes, probably yeah, introduce yeah. and then he can actually join in this conversation. <laughs> I wanted to say happy birthday so bad, but I'm like, they don't know I'm here. I got yeah, away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That would well, be weird you if there's, there's some dismembered voice goes, um, happy birthday. A comedian who I've, like, I think... Is getting better and better every day. Like super funny, oh, that's nice. Thank <laughs> like you, great. Like it, like it's nice to see someone who I've known for a fair bit, but just kind of really stepping up our levels and yeah, appearing so. all over the place. The very funny <laughs> Manuel. Well, I can't they, decide they, if that's a backhanded compliment. Yeah, hey, I'll take it. It's a compliment. At the end of the day, it's a compliment. No, I like I've, I've like, this guy was rubbish when I first met <laughs> him, and I mean he's gone, but he's now solidly <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> yeah. so, no, it's been re- it's uh, super funny, but. Even super funnier of late. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, how are you, man? I'm good. Have you said his name yet? I don't yeah, think yeah. You, nah, then, okay. I don't think you did. I did. Oh, okay. Maybe it was what if I go on podcast and I'm like, I prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Vahim Manuel. Yeah, what's up, guys? How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, we, we escaped. Have you ever done one of those escapes? I've heard about it. I don't know anybody who actually... Did it like I've, sometimes I'll see the ads on Facebook? Like you know, yeah. that's like the new thing these days. They're Escape everywhere rooms. now, mm-hmm. and I think I think because I don't know whether there'll be a fad, but they're pretty. I think they're relatively easy to run once you've set it up. Like, right. A lot of thought goes into the designing initially, but then it, uh-huh. it's pretty much just it happens. So what if, the, what if you were so bad at it that like you missed a week of work? You're like, look, <laughs> boss, we went to an escape room and they, we just this couldn't one get have a time out. Limit, so we just they just kept us in. It's, those... We may have been kidnapped in hindsight. We're not quite sure because there, there weren't any clues. There weren't really yeah, any. There was no guy running it. Uh, there was between, a van involved. Yeah, ransom room, escape room, yeah. like know. a surprise escape room. Yeah, it, it turned out to be. It didn't, a it didn't cost us any money, but it did cost us a finger. Like we had to lose yeah, a finger. Yeah, Rob lost a finger, but it was a good time. You know, we got out. Yeah, really bonded as a team. Like it was <laughs> real. They gave him the finger back later. Like it wasn't like they kept the finger. It was. Yeah. Where yeah. was this escape room? This one was just in Hollywood, Hollywood and Gower. Okay, but there's there's something like six of them in LA alone. I, I wanted to believe they were all in, I don't know, really cool old houses. This is just in a strip mall, it but is it a, doesn't mean it's not fun. It's still it's still awesome. But yeah, uh, I think all the different rooms are decorated. This one, I think we did like that kind of starter room, and. It was fun, but I, I maybe would have liked a bit more puzzle solving. This was a lot more just find the thing than like, find like the a lock. Scaven- it, it was more of like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, man. like yeah. just spotting like spotting some numbers that were hidden on a map and things like. And then there were a few things where you really had to piece the clues together. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it was definitely fun. But I think that the one we did that was uh, a trial for like a, a road version. The, what would you call that? We did one that was a half hour. At yeah, just a friend of, beta, of ours who testing. books colleges who is booking them in, is now doing them for colleges. And we booking were, escape rooms, you mean? Yeah, so we were the guinea pigs. I see. When they were trying see, it. That's what's tough about being a comedian. I mean, you know this as well. It's like sometimes you'll do NACA or something where 
it's the marketplace for kids to decide what they want yeah, for schools. Yeah, these are the big conferences yeah. where you're sort of they, it's like a meat market. Yeah, you're sort of showing school, yourself off. Like, totally. Hey, look at what I got. The school has a budget for entertainment, so they have to choose between getting you or I, or getting a sumo suit. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or getting or getting an escape room person. Yeah. Like the year I did it, like Snooky was there, so you could have. Like Snooki would just show up and get like sixty k or something, <laughs> yeah, or doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, she was just, it's like a photo op. She's you know? just yeah there, and maybe like DJs in the loosest right, possible sense. Yeah, so yeah, she exactly. just like stands near yeah. a, like, stands near a control panel. Whilst feel, yeah, music exactly. Plays. I feel like DJ just makes it an easier pill for the people to swallow. It'd be like, well, she's DJ, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, that was a sign. Years ago, I hosted uh, a not particularly good clip show on British TV. Uh huh. But that was. I think the moment that I really realized how little it transfers to helping my comedy career over there was I was at a music festival and I was playing the comedy stage. So we were camping in the artist's camping area and someone recognized me from that show and just went, oh, oh, what are you doing here at the festival? Are you like DJing or something? (laughs) I realized like that's just the job that people... Yeah, personalities. Yeah, not to do down actual DJs who really can DJ and produce things and mix stuff, but... uh, yeah, that is also the, oh, you want to have this person from this shitty thing at your event? Pay them to be there in person. For yeah, 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 because yeah. before it was just like personal appearance and they would show up. And I think clubs wised up that if we just say that they're DJing the night, yeah. it seems a little more important than <laughs> they just, just show up and wave at people. It's like less scabby. It's yeah, less yeah, like, yeah. take your photo with Goofy. Totally. My only goal is to become famous enough or get enough notoriety to where I can like celebrity DJ. <laughs> you know, I'm just using this comedy thing as a springboard. But it turns to out my I lower was briefly tier there DJing in the UK gigs. and had no idea. I could have done it the whole time. <laughs> Why did yeah. you squander that, man? I want to get famous enough that I can just send my iPod Nano in my place. It's like Andy's iPod is here. He's not even here. With He's a special, preloaded it. Yeah. yeah. And a special playlist curated by Andy Wood. And you're just Skyped on a laptop. You have an assistant hold it up. Like, are you ones. ready to rock? <laughs> That's not even his voice. <laughs> I don't just, think. Yeah, they just Ven- Venmo you the cash. Yeah, oh you never have to leave. So per- I'll take bitcoins. Yeah, I'll be in my lair uh, in the international waters. Yeah, it sounds perfect. Someone, someone was experimenting with that. I'm trying to remember who it was, but a comedian was experimenting with trying to do like Skype gigs that could be simulcast in different comedy clubs. That'd oh yeah, I, I know there are some. There's a place uh, in LA here that um, it's just someone's house, and he's trying to set up this model where he live streams these open mics I, and then pays the comics in accordance with what people who are watching the stream decide to donate. During I their think set I might have done that thing, although there wasn't any money changing hands. Yeah. But it was, I I did something like that, and I assumed that it was going to be all right. Well, there'll be maybe twenty people in the audience, but there'll be. 300 watching online so i mean all right that's worth it just yeah. for a half hour drive and a 20 minute set and then i was like so who and then it turns out there were nine people in the room and i was like okay oh, wait, so i how- might have done the is in the valley yeah is it, is it called like worldwide whatever it. yeah I did it. Like, and i went like how many people yeah how many people were watching so online weird. he said like nine like, yeah man <laughs> oh my god how did he get the word out about this thing i don't know i got asked by a friend who I, oh, yeah i got hilarious. asked by a friend too but i think that detail of it was left out <laughs> so when i got there i was like i was in too deep though i could yeah. i'm already there i'm exactly. like we've done enough bad gigs where you just kind of roll with it but when i was there i'm like all right this is this is a story yeah. you know what I because mean? you literally go into a broom closet <laughs> and there's like three people who are also taking class there Oh, so it's one of those models. It's okay. just a very strange, yeah. and then it's being broadcast. It was very weird. 
Yeah, you could tell it's like the ground floor of like a dot com that is it someone's living room of, of an apartment or house or something? No, or but it's uh, it's, it, it's yeah. like it's a sort of one of those. It's a complex that's you know L A is full of these buildings where buildings of indeterminate use, right? <laughs> yeah. Where probably someone's living in one of the blocks in that building yeah, and then someone else is a casting studio above studio, it, and then yeah. like there's an accountancy practice and then this is a worldwide broadband comedy club yeah I think it just reminds me of the stepbrothers the comp- the step in the movie stepbrothers the company that they prestige started worldwide. prestige worldwide oh, yeah. yeah it's just like you gotta give it a name like that For sure. obviously if it's in your closet it's gotta be called prestige worldwide <laughs> when i was doing it though i'm like please don't let this see the light of day you know like yeah Hopefully they don't have recording capabilities on this broadcast or whatever. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm hope. Yeah, it's just because it was you gigging to. I mean, it was an okay show. You were but gigging I mean, to six people. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah. So you just, it was a flashback to open mic. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But also, even good gigs can quite often end up coming off looking bad when they're filmed. For sure, because the audience isn't mics or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I was just like, I was just the worst thinking, of all worlds. This yeah. could end up. Yeah, this is just like footage. I don't want people to see of me. Playing doing three an, people, yeah. Even we have footage on. from the first year of Bridgetown, and they had this multi-camera shoot that was beautiful. Everything was great about it, except no one mic'd the audience. <laughs> so all these great comics like Bronger, Kyle Kinney, Natasha Legera are doing great material, but then it sounds like yeah, they're, they're in the theater and yeah, just getting silent. Isn't it funny? Just the joke. psychology of yeah. laughs and just watching something where you th- were there and know what it was, but if yeah. somebody's watching with no laughs, you're just like. Who's brutal? Yeah, like, right. no, and was I was there. They, it was were, great. they were killing. I tried to edit it to make some promo videos from the first couple of years, and I didn't want to ever add laughs. So I just tried to like cut super fast to music as soon as the joke ended, and then like have some B roll. You just layer some Def Jam laughing. Yeah. Like it's, just, it's totally incongruent. <laughs> Actually, cutaways like full <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I love when you see like uh, somebody submitted something to Bridgetown. That had like insert shots of audiences, like dolly shots. Like, there's no possible way you had the cameras like rolling in front of an uproarious. It was insane. I'm like, I hope this is like a meta. I hope he's doing this like, to hope make this us. This is laugh. the joke, an intentional joke. But, but it that. never paid off. So I'm like, I think he thinks we're gonna think that that was his actual audience when it's clearly like a black box on Hyperion or something. Yeah. And yeah, and that's clearly the audience for The Price is Right. <laughs> like, why yeah, yeah. So they're wearing chicken costumes and <laughs> attack like, Yeah. Oh my god, amazing. I um, I live right by Riley Studios, which is where they record Let's Make a Deal, which <clears> took me a while to work out because I was like, why? Every so oh, often, there'd me. just be crowds of people in Weird costumes. costumes. Yeah. That's awesome. Just stood around, stood in the sun while someone goes past with a clipboard. <laughs> it's like, is this like a televised costume competition? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I like, if you live here, you would never do that, you know? Yeah. But it's all tourists and like, that's the thing to do. I don't know. So I think, think that means they travel with their costumes, which also seems like a cumbersome sort of thing. Like with, to pack your chicken suit. With, wait, maybe you're right then. Then who are these people? <laughs> I'm trying to figure I it out. I didn't think about packing just, the costumes. Yeah. So I'm like, that makes no sense then. <laughs> people just do it for the laugh and people who... Maybe people just, you know, it's like the and Josh Androsky, like a bunch of friends take mushrooms and then go down to a, a friend of the show. You know, Josh Androsky. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that time he went yeah. on The Price is Right and got called down. Well, even was, Chris Paul, there's that famous video of him on uh, Price is Right. Or Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a buddy named Chris Paul, so I always yeah. like mix it up. Uh, yeah, jo- Josh is on mushrooms on The Price is Right and claims that his job is skateboard rabbi. Yeah, Drew Carey asked him what he does for a living. <laughs> I love how Drew Carey like knows that he should stop the questions right there. He says, "What? And what do you do? Is he like, I'm a skateboard rabbi? All right, here's the game we're gonna play." <laughs> you know, he does go a couple of questions deep as well. Does he? Yeah, I, I he does. He, oh, okay, I thought he knew this guy was gonna fuck with him. But he's people. also like, 
he's a comic and he's like all right this is a yeah. guy who's a high idiot i think it's just generally why they have stand-ups host shows because they can just deal with whatever you know yeah. what i mean yeah. i feel like that's why we've had the the market cornered on on like uh game show hosting yeah, yeah. it's a valuable skill to have just like a fuck a guy with who says he's a skateboard rabbi you know how to roll <laughs> and the other person yeah. would be like Gah. yeah, yeah how, how we family Mandel, feud very, uh, yeah yeah no one does a no one does a no one does a like a reaction shot it's, <laughs> like a oh God, a Steve yeah. Harvey reaction shot I just teeth. like woo <laughs> it's the best okay I feel like we should get to some science we should um, well uh, we always ask our guests this before we get into the stories what if anything was your background in science uh, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. All right. Well, yeah. that instantly puts you in the yeah. <laughs> upper percentile of our guests. Right. So that, and then I worked at Boeing uh, doing aerospace engineering for... The, my plane just got here, guys. I got, okay. <laughs> that's literally... That's my, my chopper's here. Thanks for coming. Um, so that is you, a helicopter, I have, I, which shows that you maybe not quite the aeronautical engineer. Well, that's why I don't work there anymore, guys. I could never get the two straight, so... <laughs> That one quiz. I was building a chopper, and yeah. they wanted planes, and I was like, well, I don't do that. All right, I think I broke the Skybird. <laughs> yeah, what so were you doing at Boeing? Uh, I was doing um, stress analysis for the floor beams on the 747-8 freighter, and then passenger. Wow. So, yeah, just a lot of I thought you were fucking with us, and you were go- this is like a long riff. This is I mean, no. Legit. I mean, okay. what if I'm still going on this riff, but I'm just very calculated about... <laughs> Like, I don't want my riff to be funny. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want it to be very accurate. <laughs> I did a lot of research. Yeah, yeah, truth in comedy, man. It's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I went to school for. And then I was working in Long Beach at that Boeing for about three and a half years before I was able to do this full time, you know. Cool. But you I was doing comedy still... before college even. But it was oh, wow. just sort of like uh, it was the day job or the springboard, you know. When, when What year did you finally quit that day job? I think... Like 2010, I think that's right around okay. when I yeah. And your parents uh, thought what about this, or do they care? Um, I mean, they weren't stoked. I think it was more trouble early on. Like they weren't into me doing comedy. Like it was very, it was a thing. It was like, yeah, they're very upset about it. But then you can't stay that mad for that long. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. by the time, and I was on my own. I'd been living on my own for a while. And I was in Long Beach, and so I think when the time came for me to jump. Obviously, they weren't happy about it, but I mean, they couldn't have the same level of rage as early on when I was doing comedy. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of got it. But I don't think, because they always knew this plan. I just don't think they knew that I would actually carry out on it, right. you know? So, yeah, but I did. Did you have any, uh, were you like the cool engineer because you were doing comedy? <laughs> did anybody in your engineering classes in college know you were doing comedy or had to? Had no, nah, I kept the world separate, so yeah, no yeah. one really knew. This unless you were trying in my... to live vicariously because he stopped being I'd an engineer been, yeah. before he started doing comedy. Yeah. Oh, really? I would have been great uh, if I, yeah. No I'm telling you, you should have you stayed, bro. You could have been the cool engineer like me. <laughs> That's all I, wanted, I was making man. copies with sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's his secret? He can well, juggle. Yeah, where does he go at night? He never hangs out with us. Yeah. Although one time I remember we were at lunch, you know, uh, me and my coworkers, you'd make some friends, you know, and uh, we were we were just eating at this like buffet place and I'll crack jokes whenever the joke's there, you know, I'm yeah. not on all the time, right, but yeah. I'm a funny guy when the opportunity arises. And then uh, one of the guys, he's like, hey man, you're really funny. You should like do stand-up comedy. <laughs> and then I, I go, should I? <laughs> Did you tip your you sunglasses? Then <laughs> the credits roll. Yeah, no, then, my, just... then my chopper came again, and then, and then I got <laughs> out of there. Boom. 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 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what made you get into engineering in the first place? Like, what were you like in high school? Uh, like, I was always into performing and comedy and all that. Like, I would, I would make sketches even from a very early age. And then I would do assemblies. Like, I would write sketches for pep assemblies and do talent show stuff. Um, and then, so what, what got me into it? Or what got you, you into mean? engineering or comedy, I guess? Like, oh, so the engineering, so either? I was always into comedy and all that. Yeah. And then it kind of, you get reached that age, like 17, 18, where you got to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life or, yeah. you know, what path you're going to go down. So I wanted to do acting, you know, in college. And then just my dad was not going to pay. They were going to pay right, for college, yeah, but yeah, yeah. only certain degrees. So it kept on getting more, more watered down. It was like, it was acting, then it was English, and he said no, and then it was directing, and he said no. <laughs> you actually ran these by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kept on, I kept on running all these different things, and did, he kept on saying no to all of did, them. Did like the price change? Like it's like okay, this percentage of your tuition is paid by you if it's this, and like at the t- no, 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 even percentages. <laughs> there was no bargaining. Not, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I got to engineering, and then he would be okay with that. And then my, I had to decide what engineering. Yeah. And my best friend, David Bradley, shout out, if he, <laughs> like, uh, he was right across the street from me and he was doing mechanical. So I was like, I'll do mechanical engineering. I'll be with my buddy. Because I was just doing it right. to get to a get, four-year degree yeah. and to get a job so I could live on my own and be self-sustaining, you know? Yeah. So that's why I was doing it. And then I, I did that. I got the degree. And then that's how I got in Long Beach. Then I just applied to all these jobs in SoCal so I could be closer to the scene here and just do stand-up at night. Oh, so that was even calculated, oh. like, where you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just knew I wanted to be in college for four years, get out. I'm not trying to find myself or Van Wilder it. Like, <laughs> I, I know what I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do, so that's why I just wanted to be in and out in four years. Right. And engineering's a great degree for that. Yeah. You get a pretty you good a job, job outlook, salary for four years' time. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Wow, but it's amazing you were able to stick to like eyes on the prize when the thing you're working on isn't even that prize directly. It's like eyes on yeah. the tertiary prize. Uh, I just knew I, that it would put me in a position for what I wanted and, and yeah, needed. Yeah, you thought more about the you thought more about the sustainable existence rather than like, all right, if I want to be a comedian, should I do a performing like? Should I do like English literature and? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I'm kind of glad that my dad put the kibosh on all these degrees yeah. because, I mean, now that we were in it for a while, you know that if you have a theater degree, it doesn't edge doesn't you out. Like, you. Yeah, 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 that doesn't give you the bone structure of Brandon Ruth. You know, <laughs> so yeah. you're gonna lose out. Like, just because you went to theater school somewhere doesn't always translate to booking jobs. And, it's it's almost like nothing, you know. Even yeah. uh, it's like bartending degree. school. It's like no, just go be a bartender. Right. You don't need to do the. I'm not trying to say that was really shitty. To, I'm not but comparing yeah, yeah. just just because you study school. one thing uh, in college yeah. doesn't mean that it translates because yeah. Hollywood is. Uh, it's not as. It's yeah, very it's, fair. It's, it's, it's very fair, at least. like four years of Stanislavski, and no, they're like, no, no. have you got someone a bit blonder? Right. <laughs> but that's what's so different between science and, like, the arts, is that there's a clear projection and road if you go to, if you want to be a dentist, you do these steps, and you become a dentist. It's very yeah. black and white. Yeah. Whereas in Hollywood, it's not like you go to theater school, and then you... Yeah, I didn't it's a lot really of chance. I, I, I find like training as a dentist just like all the people who train as dentists are just too structured and rigorous in their uh-huh. dentistry. And I, I like to just kind of take a more relaxed shit. Like I just right. learn. I got discovered. I just absorb. I just, you know, just learn on the job. I just think. If, I, if you know too much about it, then all you're going to like is like jazz dentistry. Yeah. You know, you, you want to be the rock dentist. Like Mikey does a lot of molars, which I'm not really into, you know. I'm more into like, I'm more nuanced. I do. <laughs> I go to medical open mics, and that's how they found me. Yeah, I went to dental school because you got to learn the rules to break them, <laughs> and that's all I really want to do is just, just break, break the rules. rules of dentistry. It's about the so. teeth you don't clean. Yeah, 
It's like jazz. It's jazz dentistry. Yeah. That's I always feel conflicted when people ask. Not that I get asked for advice that much, but um, like I'm glad I had a regular job for a while and was able to like set myself up to not be struggling. Yeah, be me too. Hand to mouth in my twenties, but then again, there's the other school of thought where like don't give yourself any backup plan. Then you I don't, have to succeed. I don't believe and that. Then, man. What is that though? Yeah, I, I understand. There's that school of thought too, where it's like if it no, works, then great. The but for the people who does, <laughs> yeah, I think that advice always comes from someone for whom it worked, and so they think I did it. Therefore, anyone can. It's like no, if you were the, what if you were the lucky one, and now of, you're giving the advice that got you the lucky thing. I think that kind of advice is for someone who's not disciplined and needs that I'm going to die if this doesn't doesn't work. It also feels a lot like the sort of right-wing Republican argument of why welfare is bad. But it's like, you just take it away and they'll have to survive. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't. It's it's a romanticized version of this do or die, live in your car or make it. Whereas I think there's a shade of gray that's Look, if it didn't work out, I would like to have a normal life yeah. and not be eating out of a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a way to be calculated about it and set yourself up for success. Like, all comedians have a day job. I just happen to have a dope day job yeah, yeah. where I had, like, decent money and it, it gave me leverage to take things that I want to do and not do things for money. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the other. Yeah, that's actually another good argument. If that sort of desperation, like, eye on the prize kind of approach means you end up that can turn you into a road hack really quickly. For sure. You'll be yeah. doing Bakersfield. You'll just be all over. You won't be in like, town where things happen. Anything that will get a laugh and get you money. Totally. And then you, when you're doing these type of shows where you need to do well, uh, then your comedy gets diluted and you start doing lowest common denominator stuff just to do well on weird outskirt shows. Sell those bumper yeah. stickers. So then you're yeah, not going to make any real waves yeah, in comedy. Yeah, you've got to go, go to be good at slinging shots from the stage. Right. Yeah. And like selling t-shirts with yeah. your catchphrase on it. That's good for a quick buck, but for a long standing career it's uh, it kind of takes you off path so uh, study kids that's study. the lesson have a backup plan <laughs> although if it all does give up on your dreams is what I'm trying <laughs> to tell you guys have two dreams going at uh-huh. once is what you're trying to say parallel dreams yeah. although what... if it does go to shit and you know you run out of money and you run out of food and eventually you die there is still hope that's true. It might <laughs> not be the end <laughs> death might not be the end guys uh-huh. many people sent us in this story uh, Emma Wilton, Jake Young, and Justin Broad. Oh, was it that it's life is a simulation or something? No, no. this is. But a, what if it is, man? That's a script I'm working on. Okay. <laughs> it's called sometimes the Mo- I, the some, yeah, sometimes I mix up my scripts and actual science. So. <laughs> I'm gonna be the first person to think this. <laughs> yeah. How how often do you reckon studios get pitched stories where everyone turns out to be? Like we're just all in gi- like a giant's imagination. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. a lot. Um. My uh, my friend used to work uh, at the BBC comedy department. His job was to, like, he, he was like the, when he was the office junior, his job was to read all the unsolicited scripts. Because oh the BBC has to read all of the scripts and <laughs> oh they have God. to give a reason why they're rejecting it because it's a public of, broadcaster. That's nice. It's got to be a laborious task. It is. But it's kind of refreshing as a creator to know that some eyes are going to see this thing. Do you want to take a guess at the most pitched sitcom title? I know this one, so I'm going to refuse do, myself. To- Huh. I'm trying to think of other ways to give clues because the clues you gave didn't get me to it. But um, is it a pun? No, no, not really. It's it's a phrase. It's an expression. It's a three word expression, and it's sort of um, all of these sitcoms were people put together in a situation in a like a mismatched people put together in a situation. Maybe so, more, even more specific than that. In in a in, in a, 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 in a place of, in a place of living. Yeah. So all these different people 
in the same place of living. You might call that show... Just, do you know it? I I'll just tell it. you. It's yeah. uh, Under One Roof. More like a, ah. a substantial number of scripts were sent through with the title Under, under One Roof. One roof. <laughs> Who'd have thought these people would all live together? Yeah. What if you got one that said Under Two Roofs? Would you be like, <laughs> ooh, this is a curveball. Guys, I think we're going to kick this the, one up to the yeah, next level. Yeah, this is a twist on a classic title. It's like everyone Why keeps, two roofs? <laughs> everyone keeps to their own kind. Like everything's very smooth. <laughs> yeah. No one has to. All fish stay in water. There's no. Yeah. Okay. We were, ta- we're talking about uh, bringing people back from the dead. Is where this is yeah, going. Yeah. A groundbreaking trial to see if it's possible to regenerate the brains of dead people has won approval from health watchdogs. The biotech company in the U.S. has been granted ethical permission to recruit 20 patients who've been declared clinically dead from a traumatic brain injury to test whether parts of their central nervous system can be brought back to life. So scientists will use a combination of therapies, which include injecting the brain with stem cells and a cocktail of peptides, as well as deploying lasers and nerve stimulation techniques, which have been shown to bring patients out of comas. This kind of feels like one step away from harnessing lightning. Like lasers and they're just doing a lot of stuff to the brain. Shock it, dump some some chemicals in there, uh, laser it. Yeah. These, these are trial patients that have been certified dead and only kept alive through life support. They'll be monitored for several months using brain imaging equipment to look for signs of regeneration, particularly in the upper spinal cord, which is the lowest region of the brainstem and controls independent breathing and heartbeat. The team believes that the brainstem cells may be able to erase their history and restart life again based on their surrounding t- tissue, which is a process seen in the animal kingdom in creatures like salamanders that can regrow entire limbs. It's interesting though, because like, does that mean re, like, erase their history as in like erase their data? Because if you had a functioning yeah, brain, who wakes then up? It was, yeah, is have you lost the consciousness? Well, I the, don't know because the brain st- that's talking about the most fundamental. That's the bit of the brain that just controls what are considered to be automatic processes mm-hmm. like breathing and heartbeat and. Uh, but I mean, eventually so taken to taken up. to the taken to the extreme. If you do get to the point that you can re- you can get all these cells working again, have you lost the data that was stored in them? And if so, what's the what's the point? Why am I asking you that? I don't know. I'm asking <laughs> that into the ether. I don't know. They hope to see results within two to three months. Um, Dr. Ira Pastor, who's the CEO of BioQuark Inc., BioQuark as well, <laughs> said this represents the first trial of its kind and another step towards the eventual reversal of death in our lifetime. Uh, the Reanima project has received approval from the Institutional Review Board, National Institutes of Health in the U.S. and in India, and the team plans to start recruiting patients immediately. Uh, so f- I wonder what that process is like. They just go to the family and they're like, "Look, we want to shoot lasers." Yeah, well, they, yeah, they said if they're already, brain. if they're already, yeah, they're they're in a vegetative state. They have their brain. They dead figure they have nothing to lose. Lives. Like, right. why not try these things? But they have to make sure, according to this, that they have to identify families where there may be religious or medical barriers to organ donation. Uh, so, um. The first stage, named inhuman neuroregeneration and neuroreanimation, will be a non-randomized single-group proof of concept and takes place in India. The peptides will be administered into the spinal cord daily via a pump with stem cells given bi-weekly over the course of six weeks. And they're hoping for a full recovery in patients eventually. Uh, but this isn't the focus of this first study that's a bridge to that eventuality. Uh, so brainstem death is when a person no longer has any brainstem functions and has permanently lost the potential for consciousness and the capacity to breathe. Persons confirmed as being dead when their brainstem function is permanently lost. So although brain-dead humans are technically no longer alive, their bodies can still often circulate blood, digest food, excrete waste, balance hormones, grow, sexually mature, heal wounds, spike a fever, gestate, and deliver a baby. 
That's I, mean, so, I mean, what else do you need? Exactly. Yeah, this sounds like, a, sounds like a human to me, man. Yeah. Can they drive Ubers? Because that sounds like a pretty good life. Like, <laughs> they will. I think they're working on it. Okay. I mean, in the new Tesla like self-driving cars, I mean, yeah, you don't need any more. This sounds like perfection to me. This is what you want. Sp- that'll Actually, be the thing, though. They'll be like, look, we've got the self-driving car. We've got all the technology, but people are creeped out by the lack of a human at the front. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, oh yeah, so it's like a placebo God. driver. <laughs> it's a placebo driver oh. who can still, you know, breathe, who can uh-huh. still excrete. <laughs> Silence in the car except... <laughs> yeah. Or it's like Ferris Bueller where you just have a tape that says, like, do you want any gum? <laughs> um, I, had a, I had a driver the other day. It was Lyft rather than Uber because they're slightly less assholey. Uh, but I got it. I, he pulled up and I just went, oh, are you... Uh, whatever his name was and he just kind of like, nodded and then I realized he had headphones in and I got in the car and I was like oh he's got headphones in alright I'm going to try and talk to him yeah. and then he drove incredibly quickly uh, the whole way and I was starting to get annoyed and then I realized oh that's actually what I want that's everything I've always oh, wanted yeah yeah quiet it's, and quickness yeah you've been no conditioned to realize no conversation and because i've got so used now to, to having, chatting it up and all that stuff. chatting it up and having to make conversation and having like a really slow deliberate drive it's like no he's driving like i would slightly dangerously to this <laughs> location he's getting me there early and i don't have to talk about whatever what i yeah. do for a living yeah i never say comedy I that s- always come up i'll say engineering because technically i'm not lying and it yeah. ends the conversation very quickly um my go-to is jazzercise instructor <laughs> really do they buy that no I've done, not in an uber but in a like late night at bars like i did that um years ago i was in florida i was in miami uh-huh. i feel like that would prompt more questions i would be intrigued it was a group of bros and i was with a girl and they were trying to sort of hit on like they were trying to sort of Hit on the girl I was with. Yeah. Uh, you mean bros do that? I know, weird, right? Yeah. In Miami, of that's, all places. That's against bro code. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, they're, and they're like, so what do you do? What do you do? Like, and I just went, jazzercise instructor. Like, completely straight face. Uh-huh. And they, I just, it just threw them off. They just kind of went, huh. What do you say to that? Yeah. Huh. And they just drifted off. <laughs> <laughs> just confuse them. Yeah. No one even does jazzercise anymore. It's a dying art. Yeah. Is it, I think, uh, Zumba probably replaces Zumba? Yeah, Zumba's more exotic. Yeah, yeah. What is, what is Zumba like? I don't know. It's just a bunch of ladies in a hardwood floor room <laughs> getting the blood pumping. I think it's exactly the same as Jazzercise, just slightly more Samba beats. Yeah, yeah. yeah just more leg, leg warmers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just more African beats, you know? Yeah. Um, or what is, what is uh, Zumba? Is it an African thing or a I Latin thing? I think it's a fictional thing. I don't think it's... I it's not a real... All of them like, are a fictional thing. Right, yeah. but it's like the tiki of dance. Like, I think it's I probably see. like a fake foreign... Yeah, it's uh, like an indeterminate cultural <laughs> origin. Yeah, it's just a hodgepodge of... So they don't... I, I would have... I could be wrong, but I would have thought they never specifically say this is from this region because uh-huh. it isn't because it's just they couldn't get the rights vague amount. <laughs> we, could, we couldn't get we couldn't get Costa Rica yeah. to sign off on this so we just had to yeah, alright according to up. Zumba.com um, uh, Zumba is perfect for everybody <laughs> well that explains it's everything done, done. yeah why dig any um, deeper we take the work out of workout by mixing low intensity and high intensity moves for an interval style calorie burning dance dance fitness party. Once the Latin and world rhythms take over, okay, Latin. so just a, a Latin go. and world, world, world. It's world Zumba. music. Yeah. Isn't that the worst name for a genre? <laughs> world, world music, just, world, just everything and, but white Americans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, wait, brain death. That's what we we're talking about, right? Yeah, human beings. <laughs> uh, 
Recent studies have also suggested that some electrical activity and blood flow continues after brain cell death, but not enough to allow for the whole body to function. While human beings lack substantial regenerative capabilities in the central nervous system, many non-human species, such as amphibians and certain fish, can repair, regenerate, and remodel substantial portions of their brain and brainstem, even after critical life-threatening trauma. So through our study, we'll gain unique insights into the state of human brain death, will have important connections to future therapeutic development for other severe disorders of consciousness, such as coma and the vegetative vegetative and minimally conscious states, as well as a range of degenerative CNS conditions, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Uh, And a comment, uh, Dr. Dean Burnett, who's a neuroscientist, oh, I know Dr. Dean Burnett, uh, who's a neuroscientist in Cardiff, said, while there have been numerous demonstrations in recent years that the human brain and nervous system may not be as fixed and irreparable as is typically assumed, the idea that brain death could be easily reversed seems very far-fetched given our current abilities and understanding of neuroscience. Saving individual parts may be helpful, but it's a long way from resurrecting a whole working brain in a functional, undamaged state. Yeah, way to kill that fun. Uh, but also, but brain death right. is, you know, that's that's sort of, it's not arbitrary, but it's something that we've made up. So is it even accurate to call it coming back from yeah. from death when, like, that's there is controversy about brain death and the definition of it. I can't remember if there was... A podcast, a better podcast that went into this, or just uh, a great article I read in it. But the history of brain death is is pretty interesting. Uh, Dean Burnett, by the way, well worth following. He does sort of comedy things as well. You didn't really know him. Okay, oh, no, I, I really like, do okay. know him. I've done like comedy things with him in the UK, and he uh, he's just put out a book called The Idiot Brain: A Neuroscientist Explains What Your Head Is Really Up To, which I have not re- yet read, but his articles are great. So if they're anything to go by, get the book. Yeah. Check out Dean Burnett. Use our Amazon link. For no extra cost to yourself, but a kickback to us. Yeah, and um, this also reminds me, did we, have we talked at all about recent updates to the guy who wants to do the head slash body transplant? We haven't, but we've had someone write in about it recently, haven't we? I mean, yeah, it's just more people saying that it's it's bullshit and he's uh, way too aggressive in his in his predictions of how soon we could do it. Have you heard about this theme? Uh, is it an update to what I've heard about, you know, like Ted Williams and all this cryogenically freezing? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's one guy in particular who says within the next two years, he's actually going to take somebody who is, you know, quadriplegic or who, who wants a new body and is, uh, in a horrible state. And because he can develop some kind, he's mainly saying that he has a way to reconnect spinal, uh, spinal cord, tissue which yeah. is the big thing that everyone's saying that's impossible um and he's saying well no it's because when you're traumatically injured in your spine it's always like a, a bunch of spaghetti that's not cut evenly but if they cut it super cleanly and use this one kind of chemical that then reattaching it it'll it'll regrow and everyone's saying this is horribly unethical and we're nowhere near being able to do it the way you think like we can't even do it to animals yet but um yeah it's this one italian dude who keeps getting hired to come speak at actual medical <laughs> conferences because everyone's like shit. what the fuck is this guy saying he's gonna do and, and also like we like you've said many times on the show it's a body transplant not a head so, transplant yeah, it's, they keep calling it a head transplant but yeah why would you why would you name it after the bit that is yourself yeah. uh, listener David Worths was the one who sent in the most recent story from Wired basically calling it bullshit a crazy wildly unethical idea is the title of this article uh, we'll link to that as well um, but yeah. Um, so basically somebody who was paralyzed or something, he would want to cut their head off cleanly yeah. mm-hmm. and then just get another body and attach it to it. Like somebody else who had maybe just a head injury and was brain dead. Yeah. Cut that head off cleanly and just 
put him back together. And there's, oh, we, we went down this road in the podcast before. If you start Googling head transplants, there's a long history of doing with animals that's really unethical. Like, yeah. horrible. Like, a hundred years ago, they put, like, a second head on the back of a dog and kept it alive just by connecting blood vessels. Like, so the top dog was, like, looking around and trying to open its mouth to eat, but it's not connected to it like it couldn't control <laughs> the first horrible. dog's body horrible stuff it was like in uh russia is <laughs> it's the nuts. Stuff, the stuff nightmares are made oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean there's you want to see a picture but of a, that's where the dog. term top dog came from <laughs> <laughs> well, a little piece of history yeah interestingly the, the top dog kind of has the short end of the stick but yeah i guess that uh <laughs> Well, that's always the way. It's a it's a double edged sword. That yeah, yeah. It's yeah. which is also where the, the the procedure that. What if that was what the big dog uh, t shirt thing was about? <laughs> oh God, yeah, these pictures. Being on top's not always easy. <laughs> oh no, you want to see? Why am I looking this oh, up? Oh no, it's just so. Uh, when was this photo taken? This oh. is, is nineteen fifty nine. One of the two headed the two headed German Shepherd. I mean, who dreams? Who dreams of East Germany? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah that, sorry for that. But, um, like... top, top dog not having a great day there. Oh, okay. Let's get onto something a little less awful. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh god, these drawings of swapping monkey heads. Why did I go down this road? I mean, we could do. Uh, Justin Braw sent in a story about spider oral sex. And I feel like we've done a lot of spider oral like sex we've stories. Done a lot of, we've done a lot of insect penis <laughs> stories recently. There was, was the big penis, the penis trapped in amber. Oh, that's right. That wasn't a spider, was it? I don't think it... Should we uh, do some corrections first, or Sean Carroll's yeah. response to the EM drive? Yeah, well, we've had a couple of corrections in, which we always... Uh, like, firstly, uh, listener Victoria, who is an archaeologist, pointed out that at some point we grouped archaeology together with paleontology a couple of episodes ago, uh, which is a pet peeve for her, and rightly so, because they are separated by... Th- many 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 years paleontology is the study of dinosaurs and other long extinct animals uh she says that's why the root is paleo which is old and ont which is bones archaeology is the study of non-living humans uh their culture artifacts movement etc in the u.s it's a subfield of anthropology uh, she said this is important because she's going to be indiana jones one day yeah and not ross from friends yeah who's the only famous fictional paleontologist uh there's probably a correction to that as well. <laughs> they never overlap. They're separated by millions of years. Even paleoarchaeology and paleoanthropology, which studies human ancestral species, never overlap with dinosaurs and paleontology. Uh, she says, I assume you guys know that. Actually, I used to think that, but I went to a trip to a very interesting museum recently in the South that has, <laughs> uh, that has some very convincing <laughs> pictures that some illustrate that maybe... Maybe humans, some, specifically some, Jesus you, and dinosaurs, you can't argue with pictures. Big boats, yeah, that didn't have room for some of these animals. Um, so she hates explaining to people that she doesn't study dinosaurs when they hear she's in archaeology. Uh, I was disappointed in us, and rightly so. I don't I'm disappointed remember- in us. I should have known that. I never really knew that either. I thought they were sort of interchangeable terms, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll keep I'll keep the um, mnemonic of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Eology. That's <laughs> yeah. how I'm gonna. That's how you remember it. <laughs> yeah, from now on. Yeah. Uh, whereas paleo was oh so long ago. Yeah, that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, another correction from our friend Sean Carroll, who I think will be hopping back on the show soon because he has a new book out that he briefly mentioned on the live show we did from Podfest a while ago. Yeah. But his book is finally out. Um, 
and so he's jumping on all the different radio shows and podcasts and hopefully he'll be coming back on ours but we had another story about the EM drive. which And someone tried to explain how the EM drive, which again is a sort of impossible or like violating some basic Newtonian physics of uh, action-reaction. This is something that keeps popping up and it supposedly uses uh, quantum mechanical effects to create propulsion for no loss of energy. And no, like, y- no basically, basically you generate a change of momentum without ever th- throwing anything that has any mass behind you. And... Uh, and so this article got either sent in or we just saw it, and I was like, we should run this by Dr. Sean Carroll and see if if this in any way changes his mind about the feasibility of it. Because this article in technologyreview.com um, theorizes that the way that this could happen is by the properties of inertia when you're working on super small scales. Okay, uh, so this idea is that inertia arises from an effect predicted by general, reviti- general, <laughs> by general relativity called Unruh radiation. Uh, if that's how you pronounce it, that's the notion that an accelerating object experiences black body radiation. In other words, the universe warms up when you accelerate. And according to um, McCullough, who is it says, Mike McCullough of Plymouth University, according to McCullough, inertia is simply the presence of the unruly radiation, simply the pressure that that radiation exerts on an accelerating body. And it's hard to test the accelerations we normally observe on Earth, but things get interesting when the accelerations involved are smaller and the wavelength of that radiation gets larger. So at very small accelerations, the wavelengths become so large, they can no longer fit in the observable universe. And when that happens, inertia can take only certain whole wavelength values and so jumps from one value to the next. In other words, inertia must get quantized at small accelerations. (laughs) There is observational evidence for this in the form of the famous flyby anomalies, which are strange jumps in momentum observed by some spacecraft as they fly past Earth towards other planets. And that's what his theory predicts. So the idea is that if photons have an inertial mass, they must experience inertia when they reflect, but the under-radiation in this case is tiny, so small in fact that it can interact with its immediate environment. In the case of the EM drive, that's the truncated cone. So the inertia of the photons inside the cavity must change as they bounce back and forth, and to conserve momentum, this must generate a thrust. So that was the theory. That's the theory. So we keep seeing things that suggest that it's actually working, and they've managed to make it work, and... uh and then we write to Sean, who's our go-to quantum physicist, and he is, his response was relatively concise. He just said, it's complete utter nonsense. The MIT Technology Review is wildly unreliable, name notwithstanding. The author of the paper, McCulloch, is an engineer, brackets not a physicist, and from the paper doesn't really know anything about quantum field theory. Ashton answered. <laughs> like, it's just... Can you Slap drop a mic down. in yeah. an email? I think there was a mic drop. It was drop the most the professional bitch slap I've ever yeah. heard in my life. So much passive aggressiveness in there. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't even say passive. I it's think just that's aggression. just like straight yeah, out. Like, oh, no, yeah. this guy's full of shit. That's how you serve people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's um, Sean Carroll still maintaining utter bullshit, and I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm inclined to agree with it. I want to believe, though. I mean, because this could be, a, if it were true, it would it would be groundbreaking in terms of what it means for future space travel if we can you know, generate thrust without having to have a ton of mass taken along with you. But um, yeah, it seems uh, like it's it's bullshit for now. And his book, which is available for pre-order now, it comes out on the uh, 10th. So it's coming out in a week's time. And it is called The Big Picture on the Origins of Life, Meaning, and the Universe Itself. Uh, and uh, I've just started to read it. It's great. Nice. So uh, yeah, it's Sean. Yeah, you've, he's one of our favorite science guests that we've had on the show. Uh, you know him. You like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Get his book. Uh, and also Jan Eleven's book is out as well. We should keep plugging that. Yeah, we'll link to that in this episode also, just to remind everyone to check. What's the title of it again? 
uh, Black Hole Blues and other songs from Outer Space, which is the account of uh, the LIGO project leading up to the recent called The Amazing Discovery. Excellent. Uh, written by someone who knows, really knows the science. Uh, do we go back to spider penises? I mean... We can make it quick, right? I just love it because it's going to piss you off the first paragraph. I know you're going to hate the editorializing on it. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, let's just do it just to you're, see your you're reaction. You're correct, news.com.au. Uh, it's not often we think of spiders as superior to humans, but one particular species puts us males to shame. Fuck you. I know. Like, fuck, keep going, fuck keep going, you. Keep going, please, please, keep going. Fuck you. Like, also... I think I quite often think of spiders as superior to humans. They're much better than us at, like, I don't know, hanging on ceilings, making wet... The, the, whole, the fact that a superhero exists who has the power of a yeah. spider they get some shows that in some, in some aspects of yeah. humanity, spiders... They have a lot of respect. Also, so much yeah. respect. So um, the Madagascan Darwin's bark spider... Yeah. Is, is not only known for its <laughs> extreme web sizes and producing the world's toughest biomaterial, but is a total stud in the bedroom... <laughs> I think, by the way, I think I got oral sex the wrong way in this one. I was too penis fixated. Uh, a new study entitled Spider Behaviors Include Oral Sex Encounters discovered the species has a rich sexual repertoire and is keen to engage in marathon cunnilingus sessions with its female <laughs> counterparts. At first, this may not seem like the strangest thing in the world. However, scientists were quick to point out oral sex is an infrequent occurrence in the animal kingdom. While mammals, such as lemurs, lions, dolphins, and bats are known to partake in such pleasures, the behavior in spiders is exceedingly rare, only seen in widows. Uh, yeah, I, I believe, hmm. go back to the bonobo episode that we had with Dr. Yeah. Amy Parrish. For more animal sex. So a lot of talk of animal oral sex in that one. Yep. Has, has anyone made the joke that, you know, the female spider lost the man, so of course. <laughs> like that kind of widow. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not even the... <laughs> well, she's a widow. What do you expect? She's got to get pleasure at some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try getting a battery that small. Uh, <laughs> the lead researcher, uh, Machaz Gregorik, said um, two weeks, a two-week study of the spiders discovered that the male species, who are 14 times lighter and 2.3 times smaller than the females, routinely took oral sex past foreplay. I guess again, they're like this. They're much smaller. They haven't got as much size to work with. Yeah. So they use other things. They got to. What do they define foreplay as, though? What does that mean? Like, I don't know. It's dinner. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, it all starts with yeah, talk. Yeah. Just you know? noshing yeah. on a tiny fly. <laughs> the biggest spider. <laughs> the biggest spider sex <laughs> organ is the, the brain. brain. <laughs> uh, I'm a spider sap- sapiosexual. I'm really trying to do intelligent spiders. Uh, oral, sex con- oral sexual contact seems to be an obligate sexual behavior in this species as all males did it before, in between, and after copulation, even up to a hundred times. Despite acting selflessly towards the lady lovers, things aren't great for the lads. I know. This is so tabloidy in his writing. Let's hope our girlfriends don't read this article, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Ruining it for the rest of us. Oh man, that'll open Pandora's box. (laughs) The spider's doing it. Well, I'm not a spider, okay? Then get yourself a spider. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just fuck a spider? Yeah, I saw the way you look at spiders. <laughs> that just confirms my worst suspicions. Um, despite acting selflessly towards their lady lovers, things aren't great for the lads. With researchers observing, they often fall prey to sexual cannibalism from the females. Oh boy! Uh, unfortunately, if the males can avoid being 
eaten after during the deed, they are also known for engaging in post-mating emasculation, which means they bite off a portion of their reproductive organs within 20, 24 hours of intercourse. I mean, we can't win, guys. Right? <laughs> One of these male spiders going to get a break. Yeah. There's uh, got to be some male spiders, like, we've got to have our own little feminism thing going on. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the opposite of male feminism? What's our feminism? Uh, I never know the wait, term. MRA, that stuff? Wait, what do you mean? You know, like the like feminists have oh, feminism. Post, uh, What's like the wave? male version of men's rights? Or yeah, do we have one word? Yeah, uh, I, I think masculinism. Asshole. I think. <laughs> Just, no, wait, what do MRA... Because MRA is usually like applied to people against... That's not something someone self-identifies No, as. I think it is. Oh, it is. Okay. I think it is. I think people do identify as... Men's rights activists. It, yeah, which also gets used as pejorative. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if there was like, that's the thing that... They don't want to be. But then so does, from the flip side, so does feminist. People like self-identify as feminist, but then I would say people fe- feminazi from a, is probably the one that's more thrust upon somebody. That's true, but self, everything's uh, loaded these days, guys. Yeah. Um, we right. need to just, why don't we just like scrap the whole language and start again from the yeah, beginning? Yeah. Uh, uh, Esperanto you know, like, tried idea. to do it, man. Yeah. It just hasn't caught on yet. Like when a, like when a currency has hyperinflation, you go, all right, we're, we're ending <laughs> yeah, this one now. Yeah, is that what Call we've gotten with, with the PC culture? It's we're like, look, go to we're, we're too inflated. We've got to start a new language. <laughs> Every word has too many. Is there a gold language, though, that'll just never... I think if Trump gets elected, all this will happen. <laughs> this will, there will be, like, the unit will be the Trump. It'll just be a T in front of the dollar amount. Like, yeah, it's totally and the, possible. And just the word Trump in different... It'll be like Inflections Smurf. will be yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The Trump will just Trump 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 Trump, yeah. Trump 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 Or the bills just say huge with different numbers of U's. <laughs> so if you get commas if you get, every three yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Huge. Um, it's not all bad news. Back to spiders. Back to spiders. <laughs> with researchers discovering some males take extra precautions and engage in mate binding which is the act of binding the giant female spider in silk to prevent her from gobbling up her lover during sex. So even well, SNL. we've all been there, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uncertain with the exact reason why the spiders are so liberal with their bulk oral offerings. Really? Really, writer of this article? Um, researchers first thought it might have been a function to avoid falling victim to cannibalism. However, they're quick to disparage this hypothesis. This seems to be an unlikely function of oral sexual contact because males perform it with all females regardless of their aggressiveness, including the defenseless teneral ones. Should I know what teneral I don't means? know what teneral means. Um, do you want to look that up while I do? Sure. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, one that is... Uh it's one that has rec- a teneral insect is one that has recently molted and its exoskeleton is yet to harden and get its final coloration in this state the insect is very vulnerable and the teneral state can last for some time they may be mobile and may even fly during this time but can often be identified to that due to their pale coloration okay so they've just got their um they're lacking armor basically Soft they've got no exoskeleton yeah after much deliberation, the researchers came up with two likely reasons for the behavior, although they admit more research will be needed to provide proof. It may signal male quality. This would imply the existence of cryptic female choice mechanisms where females may bias paternity in favor of better quality males. And additionally, enzymes in the saliva could provide physiological advantage to the donors uh, over rival sperm. This would be an adaptation for lowering sperm competition and would function analogously to sem- seminal toxins and aggressive sperm known in insects. Uh, and there is a there's a video accompanying this article as the spider oral sex. Does it say not safe for work? It <laughs> actually it does say at the end of this, which is totally safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who wrote this article? God. No one, no one. Oh, Matthew Dunn. No one wrote this article. (laughs) This article just came into being. Someone, Alan Smithy, the way out of this one. Matthew Dunn has editorialized this. Thank you, Matthew. That's the last of any oral sex stories for this week. I promise. I promise. Um, We also got another correction about uh, enzymes from Chris Nelson. Oh, really? I missed that one. Oh, yeah, from last week. That was probably me uh, ranting on about it with barely remember GCSE biology memory. He said, how many urgent emails have you received saying that not all enzymes inactivate at 40 degrees Celsius? Hashtag not all enzymes. Uh, <laughs> there's really nothing uh, universal about 40 degrees Celsius other than it's pretty hot and above 37C, which is human body temperature. Um TAC, T-A-Q enzyme, for example, was a famous enzyme that can be raised to 95C and still work. It was isolated from a bacteria from a hot spring in Yellowstone, he thinks. And uh, related enzymes are what they use to amplify DNA in PCR reactions, the foundational technology of modern molecular biology. Cool. Yeah. Also related to our question about man wars and jellyfish and whatnot, um, Chris Nelson also told us that Portuguese man wars are awesome. They're not exactly jellyfish, but they're a colonial siphonophore. It's made up of a bunch of individuals of the same species, but the different individuals specialize to become different parts of the organism, which I had never heard. That's pretty That's awesome. cool. So yeah. a Portuguese man war is not one an organism. It's a collection. It's like a colony. It's a collective. Yeah. yeah. It's and like a Power Ranger. Exactly. It's Voltron. <laughs> Reproduction is handled by one set of individuals, digestion, another set, and the tentacles are another set of individuals. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, if you want to send in other corrections like that, they can be totally made up. We're not going to fact check the emails you said. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good point, actually, because yeah. we get the corrections, and then at that point, we have just read we, yeah. we, we can't correct that. Have you got a that's, correction on a correction? I, I think that's the I'm holy grail. I'm not sure that's happened yet. Yeah. I guess he did send a link to the Wikipedia for Man of War, so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you can email probablyscience at gmail.com, and we'll try to get to all those emails, or tweet at probablyscience for stories or corrections or criticism of our uh, spider blowjob stories. Yeah, we put all the stories on the website as well and links to them. And that's also where you can find the donate button. Mm-hmm. And that has been used this week. Um, well, there's been a one-off donation from, um, this is a cool Norwegian name, uh, Espen Hansel Amdal, who says, it's been a while since I donated, blame OPEC, but has now <laughs> donated. Thank you very much, uh, Espen. And then some monthly donations have come through from uh, Ben Marriott, uh, Brooks Gilmore, Pandora Young, Matthew Arnold, Drew Chapman, James Casson, Tony Johansson. Thank you very much, all of you. And then a huge thank you to Linda Moulton, who has a very, very generous monthly donation. Uh, You're thank the best, you very Linda. much. Uh, we love all of the donors. You're, we, we love you all, but yes. we particularly love... You're our favorite. <laughs> Uh, and that, that's also where you can find the Amazon shopping link that we discussed beforehand. If you're buying anything on Amazon, mm-hmm. go through our link first. Set that as your browser bookmarks. You don't have to remember to type it in each time, and it'll just auto-complete with our code, and we get a kickback. It costs you no extra. And the other way you can help us, which I know quite a few of you are, is by spreading the word, letting people know about our show. Tweet about it, Facebook, write nice things on iTunes, give us nice reviews and nice ratings. And if you know anyone who likes podcasts send them away or if you know anyone who's getting into podcasts or has just found out what a podcast is or who just bought uh, an android based phone you can now find podcasts in google play and ours is listed in there that is true uh we got time for another little story right can we do the ivory one we can totally do the ivory one i like that one it's been a very biology heavy episode that's true but i I'm, i'm fine with that yeah i'm okay with that uh this one's also sort of economics this one's uh i like this a lot yeah this was sent in by morgan perrine 
and a biotech firm creates fake rhino 3D printed horns to reduce poaching. A San Francisco biotech startup has managed to 3D print fake rhino horns that carry the same genetic fingerprint as the actual horn. It plans to flood the Chinese market with these cheap horns to curb poaching. Uh, this is a company called Penbient, based in San Francisco, and they use keratin, which is a type of fibrous protein, and rhino DNA to produce a dry powder, which is then 3D printed into synthetic rhino horns, which is genetically and spectrographically similar to original rhino horns. Uh, the company plans to release a beer brewed with a synthetic horn later this year in the Chinese market. <laughs> They're Why already going that? to bit. Yeah. God, is that them just going, I don't know, Chinese people are weird. Yeah, we'll make dick pills out of it. We'll just do all the stuff they'll do with it. Yeah. Um, the Chinese and Vietnamese rhino horn craze has caused an unprecedented surge in rhino poaching throughout Africa and Asia, bringing the animal to the brink of extinction. In South Africa, home to 80% of Africa's rhino population, uh, 1,215 of them were killed in 2014. Uh, Matthew Marcus, CEO of Pembian, says his company will sell rhino horns at one-eighth the price of the original, undercutting the price poachers can get and forcing them out eventually. Uh, we can produce a rhino horn product that is actually more pure than what you can get from a wild animal. There are so many contaminants, pesticides, fallout from Fukushima. Uh, a rhino horn in the lab is as pure as that of a rhino from 2,000 years ago. So are they implying that they're going to market it as... Yeah, he's like It's, it's got to be secret. It can't be like cubic zirconia, which is even better than a real diamond, but has no value. You have to like f say it's a real rhino horn. You can't be like, it's better than a rhino horn. Because uh, no one's going to buy it, right? Yeah, I don't know. Conservative groups are skeptical... That's weird. I've never seen like conservative groups, but like, surely conservation groups. Oh, um... Would you or say maybe that? they're just conservative in terms of this issue, like conservative in terms of not uh, buying into this. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't mean politically conservative. I don't know. They are skeptical about the success of synthetic horn and may actually have harmful long-term effects in combating the illicit trade. So Sue Ellis, executive director of International Rhino Foundation, says selling th synthetic horn does not reduce the demand for rhino horn and could actually lead to more poaching because it increases the demand for the real thing. In addition, production of synthetic horn encourages its purported medical value uh, or medicinal, medicinal value, even though science does not support any medical benefits. I think it would only work if it was totally indistinguishable so you could flood the market and no one can tell which yeah. ones are which, and then there's just too much in the market and the value goes down. Yeah. Like that thing LCD Sound System did with their final gigs that turned out to not be their final gigs. <laughs> oh, okay. So are you Wait. LCD Sound System? Did they do like a fake farewell well, tour? Well, no, they did. Um, They announced like this will be our final show and it was going to be, a, I think, Madison Square Gardens. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah. There were huge numbers of, because um, it was like their final show. So it just went, It just, it just tickets disappeared instantly and then instantly appeared seconds later on the secondary, on the resale market for wildly inflated costs and so it was, it was all being sold by them no 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 it was being sold by scalpers okay, okay so as a fuck you to the scalpers they then announced like six more shows oh so they just went like they completely devalued those tickets I, I can't understand how this new legal scalping thing even came to be i think it's how such Stubhub, a shit what because I think there, it, what it's not that anybody should trust any aspect of the ticket industry. Because I know, like Ticketmaster, all the fees that Pearl Jam was railing against that are still yeah. around today, those aren't fees going to Ticketmaster. Those are usually fees that are also getting kicked back to the artist. Mm -hmm. But then the artist gets to avoid being the bad guy by saying, "Hey, Ticketmaster is doing yeah, this." Yeah. Okay. So it's such a shady business to begin with. Uh, yeah, here we go. It was in a, um, it was in 2011. 
uh, they actually on their official website there was a blog post they wrote that said "fuck you scalpers," five Terminal Five shows added. Nice. Um, and now that that wasn't even a real uh, farewell anyway because they're back they've on reformed tour. five yeah. years later. It's like I think I've been to three different uh, guided by voices farewell shows <laughs> over the last twelve years. Uh, did you see today rumors that Talking Heads might be no shit reforming? Is everyone alive? Everyone's alive. Everyone's right? alive, and everyone's yeah. still touring in different combinations. Just the Tom Tom Cl- or All Talking No Head or something is what the thing with Tina Weymouth and yeah, and Tom Tom Club yeah. exists, and then uh yeah, they they're all still. I think they're all still performing in different combos. Oh. That'd be amazing. I would go. I would. I would pay a lot for that. I wouldn't pay StubHub prices, but but that's the, that's what really pisses me off. So StubHub, which is the reseller, is got bought out by I think Ticketmaster or one of those right, other companies. Right. So now, so it's, the company it, that sells it in the first place it makes no sense. Also, it is reselling is reselling it. it. So they have no financial. In fact, they have the opposite of a, of. A, a financial benefit saying, to cut down on scalpers. It, it's utterly in their interests to, to let yeah, people yeah. just buy these tickets in bulk because then they get another percentage of the resell. And also, right. if, if the show doesn't sell out and the scalpers are fucked up, they get all the money because they've they've bought they've all the tickets. That's a yeah. good point. So yeah. they've got they guarantee selling all the tickets to these shows, <sighs> and then if it does sell out and gets wildly inflated then they get the secondary... And I'm assuming artists booking. get some portion of that also from the StubHub money. I don't know if they do. In the same way, you didn't know that Ticketmaster fees go to the artist, but I'm sure they do in some do portion. They? Yeah, like that's the thing. that, that That's why the Pearl Jam's thing didn't go anywhere because it, it's good for the artists to have this st- stuff around because then they can vilify Ticketmaster but still be making money off these stupid fees. I did not know that they got some of that money. Oh, yeah, it's all negotiable. All this stuff's negotiable as someone who's tried to get various ticketing deals going for festivals and such. So it's, it's negotiable uh, if you've got power, right? If you're, yeah. I mean, we haven't. If you're Madonna, then you can, then you go like, I want to sell, I want to cut of this, right, money. right, right. Uh, but, we haven't ever gotten any from Bridgetown. It's all been just the built-in fees from the companies we use. But like, yeah, I've heard that when you get to bigger volumes, you can start to dictate things. And uh, oh, StubHub is now owned by eBay. Oh, really? Sure, that's changed. Weird. But anyway, so the Rhino Horns, yeah, if they. If they're indistinguishable, but I got a feeling it's going to be like, um, you know, printed laminate fake flooring where it's going to have all the same wood grain to it. It's like, well, it's all too, it all has the same fake grain to ivory. I wonder if some people are going to die over selling fake ivory. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like an ivory deal and you just like, he bites into it and he's like, you fucked me. He's like, like, this is not good. This will do nothing to my dick. (laughs) You just like that's how you test. It. You rub it in your gums and see if your virility increases. Right, right. Yeah, if you get a bo- no if you get a boner on. after rubbing it in your gums, it's the good stuff. I have no extra virility. <laughs> he will die. <laughs> Take him away. Um, it, yeah, I think this could be one of those. This could be one of these interventions that massively backfires. Yeah, like like they talked about this on that uh, Rhino episode of Radiolab. Did you hear that one? I did not. Uh, so you know the guy who paid top dollar to kill that black rhino. And uh, then the, I think it was a dentist or something. Oh, there was the like, Cecil. Was it the lion? Cecil the lion. No, was it, no, it okay. a dentist I'm, just killing. I'm confusing two different things. No, uh, in 2014, Corey Knowlton paid $350,000 for a hunting trip to Namibia to shoot and kill an endangered species. And then he became like the most hated guy on the planet. But the Radio Lab episode talked about how, and I'm not taking his side, but like, they did a good job of showing both sides of the issue and um, talking about different theories as to how to protect these species. And whether, uh, like, because sometimes they've done things like collect all this ivory and and burn it 
to, to show like, fuck you poachers, we're just going to destroy this stuff. But then that also creates a scarcity in the market and drives the price up more. So it's all these things you try to do can have unintended effects. It's a great episode of Radio Lab from last September cool. called The Rhino Hunter. Hey, you know what is a good uh, DNA story? And a good a good DNA thing is uh, the largest ever study to sequence the the whole genomes of breast cancer has given scientists the clearest understanding yet of what factors un- influence tumor development. They've basically cracked the DNA code of breast can- of all breast cancers, no shit, or nearly all breast cancers, which will then hopefully lead to far more effective treatment. Uh, I don't think we really have enough time to go fully into the story, but it was the biggest science story of last week, so I thought we should probably mention it. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty huge. They were uh, this international team of researchers led by the Wellcome Trust um, in the UK analyzed 560 breast cancer genomes in total, uh, 556 from women and four from men, sourced from patients all over the world. They're looking for patterns in the DNA mutations uh, called mutational signatures that characterize how the DNA in our cells changes as we get older, both from exposure to new things in the environment and the normal aging process. And they found 13 mutational signatures that influence tumor development, giving rise to 93 protein-coding cancer genes that act like sets of instructions to turn normal tissue into cancer. Um, there are about 20,000 genes in the human genome, uh, the director told the, D- the BBC. It turns out now we have this complete view of breast cancer. There are 93 of these genes that, if mutated, will convert a normal breast cell into a cancer cell. Uh, That's an important piece of information. So then they give that list to the universities, the pharmaceuticals, and all those companies who try developing new drugs and therapies. And they found that women who carry the BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes, which gives them an increased risk of breast and ovarian cancer, had whole cancer genome profiles that were highly distinctive. The scientists suggest this uniqueness could lead to new methods of classifying patients for treatments, depending on their personal level of uh, risk. Um, nice. and yeah, and they'd, be able, they'd like in the future to be able to profile individual cancer genomes so they can identify the treatment most likely to be successful for a woman or man diagnosed with breast cancer. It's a step towards personalized health care and, and a step closer to a complete picture of the genetic changes of the heart of breast cancer and intriguing clues about the key biological processes that go wrong in cells and drive the disease. So uh, we're, we're cured. Yeah, everyone's better now. Everyone, so you okay. can just perfect. Nice. Go back to smoking through your tits. <laughs> Vaping through your tits. Yeah. Thank you. I tip vape. <laughs> tip vape. That's how. That's how I get my hit. I get my kick. Um. Yeah. Cool story. That's yeah. That's good for you. Good to have some good news. It's a lot of good news this week, I guess. Right. Um. Uh. Bringing people back from the dead. Fake rhino horns. Curing breast cancer. Yeah. Oral right. oral sex always a great. Great thing. Spiders just get it on. Dumb stories about virile spiders. Um, (laughs) Fahim, do you have any shows coming up or other things you want to let people know about? Um, Yeah, I'm just performing a lot around L.A. like every week. So I'm at the Comedy Store, like Improv, Laugh Factory. The best way, because I don't really tweet it every, you know, I won't really like say stuff around town. You know this. You're always hopping around. But if, uh, like every Tuesday, if you go to laughstub.com and just type my name in, Fahim Anwar, uh, you know how to spell that, guys. <laughs> no, yeah. The usual way. Yeah, the usual way. It'll say where I'm playing in L.A. for the week. And then I'm doing Bumbershoot uh, Memorial Day weekend in Seattle. It's a cool little festival. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Who's, uh, who are the main bands playing? Uh, Macklemore will be there. Of course. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, the list came out. I, I got to read it again. I'm That's looking it up one. now. Oh, yeah. You can tell me. Let's see. You, you're going to get to see Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, Death Cap Cutie. KYGO, Tame Impala. It's, it's Tame Kygo. Impala. It's Kygo, you don't, you know. Is that KYGO? Never heard of either. He's huge. Uh, Is he? Yeah, he's one yeah, of the headliners. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I see everything's in capital letters. I assumed I'm. You need like a jeweler's piece to see my name on that flyer, <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. You gotta yeah, go to the Zapruder film on this thing. Uh-huh. Um, no, there's other people. Yeah, Kaiko, who I've show. never heard of, is is one of the it's three huge. main headliners ahead of. Uh, I like. G- yeah, you know who I am, but you don't know who Kaigo is. Take that, Kaigo. <laughs> further down, I know bands further down. Run the Jewels is on there. Father oh. John Misty. A lot of my favorite bands are are fine print. You know what I mean? Totally. Bird, Third Eye Blind, Fetty Wap. Maybe uh, it's an honor to be fine print. You know, like I think it is. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it means I'm cool. I'd be most excited for, I think, Tame Impala, Explosions in the Sky. Oh, I love Tame Impala. Yeah, so good live. Never then, seen yeah, live. Okay. Friends of the show, including uh, Andy Haynes, Billy I Wayne love Davis. Andy. He's a Seattle guy, too. Whitmer Thomas, Dan St. Germain. We, have we had Ron on the, the podcast yet? Ron Funches? I don't believe we have. I don't think we have, but yeah. Which uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, old we'll Portland friend of yours. Um, so yeah, check out Fahim at Bumbershoot or anywhere uh, around LA. In and the you got a future. couple of movies coming out as well. Um, well, I had one come out. I, the the Tina Fey movie, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Nice. So that came out. That was fun. Are yeah. you doing... You you were in Neighbors. Are you in Neighbors too? I was uh, I was cut out of Neighbors. Oh, I saw your IMDb. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is it? Uh, rival frat bro number one. Number one, <laughs> one. though. Come on, How man. How can you can laugh that I don't seven. have a name? But I'm number one, number guys. One. Okay? Yeah. Did you get to hang with Zach? I mean, yeah, I met the guys. The, I, the scene I had was with Zach and Christopher Mintz-Plass and who else? Who else is in that? Just Seth all the guys Rogan. in that movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the I mean, I met him, there. but yeah, I met all the guys, but they cut the scene. So Zach's shirt off? No, it wasn't. Although I was hanging around and there was a scene where he didn't have his shirt off. Intimidating. So. How did he get... It's like, <laughs> ter- like werewolf ripped. It's like really scary. And it's like not stopping. It's like, yo, man, you, no. can, you can chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Dwayne Johnson fills that. Anymore. Yeah. You don't need to do that, man. Are you guys getting the, the rock uh, alarm clock app? Is that a thing? Dwayne Johnson just put out his own what does he do? rock. Well, one of the things, he'll wake you up with different, like, get out of bed. Motivational. He's not Hulk Hogan. Get out of bed. Brother. Oh, yeah. Brother, it's time to attack the day. <laughs> Step into the day. Yeah. Brother, don't tape yourself having sex. <laughs> Unless you want a huge payout. <laughs> yeah, we do tape yourself having First yeah. of all, that tape, you can't even, it's such a low quality tape, you can't even tell who's involved. My question, got so is, much he, money is, he, is he wearing the bandana? Yeah. I want to know, is he wearing the bandana during it or no? Does he tear off a, a, a tank top? Well, yeah, but I guess for guys who wear hats all the time, I'm always curious if, if they wear the hat during sex, you know? Like, does I he have the Hulkamania bandana? Or? Toupees is what I'm curious about. Because, like, toupees are exclusively to attract women, and they're going to be the first ones At to find point, out. The yeah. Tr- like, yeah. It's going to be the thing that fools. Yeah, how do you, or it's like a girdle. Like, when do you take, oh, oh, did you, here we go. <laughs> Um, wait, what was I going to say about uh, Neighbors? Oh, the, the Rock. Or, no, The oh. Rock. His app also, you can set it to whatever time you want to wake up, or you could just set it to rock time and it wakes you up. Whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever is this no, random? When The Rock wakes up. Like, you wake up the same time as The Rock. Every <laughs> Why? Day. Why would you do that? That would be hilarious. You be like The Rock, man. I get like, it. Like, you don't have a life of your own. You don't have a job <laughs> or think, commitments. You're like, I want to wake up on rock time. I don't think he's sleeping until like 11. I think it's like 5.30 a.m. I don't think I could handle rock time. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. Yeah, he's The Rock. Do you think it really is rock time or do you think it's just programmed to be I think it's like 5.30am every day and then, and then <laughs> what if like you eat what the rock eats <laughs> but you don't work out so you just get super fat <laughs> but, you, but you are hoping to be you are hoping to be you just forgot the working out part I had part. 20 egg whites today yeah. Yeah. 20 raw eggs like well I have, a, I have a day job I can't go to the gym but I want to be like the rock so I wake up and eat like him I have 7 protein shakes <laughs> 
<laughs> just sit on a couch. Yeah. Or just, just watch like vintage rock footage. <laughs> like you do everything that The Rock does, but you just watch his highlight reels and never work out. I just want to have it be like the Tupac hologram of The Rock who just joins you in your day and you're just like shadowing him. Like he'll just do the I'm things he's doing. I'm still hoping that every day when he wakes up, he presses a button and it sends a signal. That <laughs> That'd sends be so good. But then the time zone differences would be hard to handle yeah. all that. No, you have to commit. Oh, it's, <laughs> you if he's on the East Coast getting up at 5.30, it, you're getting up at 2.00. And what if, what if Australia, you're waking up at like yeah. 9.00 p.m. The Rock forgets to set his alarm and then you're fucked like you, you oversleep too yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm late the rock must have slept in today it's like you have to follow everything in his life like if he has a failed relationship you have to break <laughs> up with whoever you're with you just get sad for some reason yeah. <laughs> you just don't know why I'm just really in sync with the rock right now I have his app <laughs> I do love that dude god he'll do anything he'll, he, there's nothing he won't do for a laugh or for uh, people to love him he's like, also surprisingly good at sketches like when he's, he's been on SNL better. he's yeah. he's tr- he tries so hard like the first time he hosted SNL it was pretty bad yeah like I remember he was in this like Scorpion King sketch it's so and he was hard to do that show well you know what I mean like whenever yeah. like, everybody has high hopes whenever a host gets on and it's very rare when somebody knocks it out of the park on that show yeah but he was like misreading stuff off the cue card. Like he pronounced tomb, tome, like, like comb. <laughs> I was like, oh, rock. <laughs> oh, the rock. <laughs> Do you, I, I like to think they always leave the article in there whenever they're addressing him. Like, excuse me, the rock? <laughs> yeah. Um, so check out. For, yes, check, check out, out the rock's uh, alarm clock app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to plug the rock alarm. Check out Fahim uh, when he's performing near you. Yeah, Bummer Shoot LA, um, FahimAnwar.com. And then on the social, it's just at FahimAnwar for Twitter, Instagram. So do those. Uh, we are at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, and at Jesse Case. And then the show is at Probably Science probablyscience.com and then probably science on facebook you can find our donate button at probablyscience.com and also the amazon shopping links so please use those spread the word uh and also come and see us we're going to be up at bridgetown oh yeah so come and see us from now yeah come and see us in portland we'll be doing a live show there it's probably going to be it's either saturday june uh 4th or sunday june 5th we'll have the schedule live in about a week or so and then come and see me in uh, the uk at glastonbury various gigs around the uk in june and july and in Greece, on the third week of June, I'm going to be doing two shows in Greece. So if we have any Greek listeners, I don't know whether we do. <laughs> it's a long shot, but I'm sure we, we might have like one Greek listener. Yeah. I, I more than one. Yeah. What I, do I, our downloads say for Greece? Do it's, ha- I'm sure it's I'm sure it's at least triple digits. Like there aren't any countries that have zero. I think every country in the world has non-zero downloads. But you also don't know whether they're that's because someone's just using a proxy some, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah they're doing some shady stuff and just happen to be downloading you at the time yeah I don't know how many Tuvan listeners we actually have how many throat singers or we have there. a download <laughs> because someone just happened to be on vacation in Greece I, I'll count that at the time. I'll count that as a Greek listener alright temporarily uh, but yeah come and see me there come and do those uh, listen to go and see Fahim's shows uh, listen to Jesse vs. Cancer write nice things about us on the internet spread the word be good and we will see you next week thank you so much man thanks yeah thanks